The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. Here's Brandon. Welcome to Old Space Show. I'm Brandon, and riding shotgun with me is Tony Shaw. Hi, everybody. Excited to be back yet again. All right. Let's do it. <laughs> one, one series off, one series on. One series off, one series I'll on. take it. We're there getting we into a nice little routine There here, we go. So there we it. go. You get a break. You get a break. Uh, this series of Old Space Show will follow the exploits of a man in his car, the first season of Knight Rider, which turned 40 this year. Um, Tony, let's talk Knight Rider up top. Here. Yes. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to this is one of those shows that like you know, when it started, it it was like outlandish in its premise, right? Like, oh, a car that has a computer in it, it and can talks talk back to you and right. <laughs> and now 40 years later you're like, this is it. But it's still I feel like it holds up really well. Like it's really right. it was fun to rewatch recently. Like a lot of times when I go back and watch these older space shows, I'm like, ooh, this is not how I remember it when I was growing up. But mm-hmm. this one was just as I, I was just as engaged. I really had a lot of fun. It moved very smoothly. Yeah. Like I, I didn't feel at all like I was like, oh, I was this is not aged well. Like the premise may not have aged well, but the action and adventure right. I felt was was just as engaging. I was I was excited to rewatch it. Yeah. Um and yeah, for sure. Like I, this is a show. Um. Yeah. Like, like a talking car. That's it. Like. Oh well. It was cool back then. Like I. I remember. I told my son about this show one time because I was you know a big fan as a kid, and he's like, and he's like, what's the car do? That so I'm like, it talked. He's like, <laughs> yeah, I'm and like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah. Th- so this is a show that I was I a, a gigantic fan of as a kid. Apparently, and. I've never fully committed to going back and re- like I've caught like a rerun or two. I watched it apparently, you know, I was born in 82. So there's no way in hell I was watching this then, but I, I probably in like season three or four or something, I was watching it a bunch. Um, for example, I still have this genuine yes. article, Michael Knight action figure. I don't have the car though, but I still, Aww. I still have this sucker. Um, uh, my one of the things was I always tell the story. My family, my mom and dad, I loved Knight Rider a kit. They they had a car show up in Fort Wayne at the Coliseum, mm-hmm. and Kit was the main attraction for that. So like, oh, we'll take him to go see it, get his picture in the car. The picture of me in that car does not exist because apparently I had a meltdown. Oh no! When I got to the car and they couldn't get me settled down enough, and no, no picture. Oh man! Me inside K I T T. So what a bummer! Very big bummer. Very big bummer. But um, it's a show that I've always, I've always just had this fondness for. And then, like, I know David Hasselhoff to so many people is Baywatch. And kind of the jokey meme 
kind of he was like meme culture before meme culture when people oh, yeah. started finding some old things about him on on the internet like old model pictures and things like that uh, for me, he's Knight Rider, and then second, Star Crash, one of the ultimate Star Wars exploitation <laughs> movies with Carolyn Monroe. Um, but, like, yeah, before this, yeah, he had that movie, Star Crash. He did a couple of Love Boats, uh, the semi-tough TV series based on the movie, and then he played Boner in a movie called Revenge of the Cheerleaders. Classy, classy. classy. Well, I yes, I, I've always thought that you can tell uh, I mean, it's not a perfect indicator, but you can use the quality of stars in a show in terms of what they go on to do right. to really gauge like how quality their first shows were. So, yeah. So you have a show here that essentially has, you know, what people would probably know as Baywatch Boy and the voice of Mr. Feeney from Boy Meets World. Right, yes. But you got them together in a show before all that happened. Exactly. And they were still killing it. And that's it's like a beautiful thing. So it's a, it's a popular <laughs> it was a popular show. And I think people realize with Hasselhoff, probably not now with the younger people and, and things that might go who? Uh but the guy was super popular in the United States. Knight Rider put him on the map. Handsome guy, fun actor, um show was cool. And then, you know, he had Baywatch, which set him like, you know, it was people laughed about it here in the United States, but that show was a phenomenal, was the number one watch show in the world. Yeah. He, he also had a musical career, and outside of the United States, he was gigantic in that regard. Sure. And my friend Alex, she, she was born in Germany, and it was kind of, and she grew up like David Hasselhoff, the pop star. And she came, yeah. you know, when they came to America, it was like, you know, people don't have the David Hasselhoff albums here. Like it, like seriously, it, it was. It, it's just that different outside the U.S. There's so like always like Franco Nero, one of the most biggest stars ever in the world, but not in the U.S. So we don't right. <laughs> we don't know him uh, as well. But yeah, Hasselhoff. This is his ascension. Like this and Baywatch will blast him off big time. Like, and he never had movies. He's like one of the biggest TV stars ever. But yeah. He's in he's, such a small window that it didn't last. So, yeah, but I mean, it's interesting though. Like I said, to go back and rewatch it, like he is it, it, right now, it's very easy to make fun and kind of ha- you know mm-hmm. go into the meme culture thing. But he's very enigmatic in this series. Like he was kind of born to be this kind of leading man, and yeah. I think it was the perfect kind of perfect storm of him coming on at the right time and this premise that seems so commonplace and mundane now but 40 years ago was like wild like no one had taken you know like let's make a car intelligent and have uh, an inanimate object be essentially the co-star that's kind of what right. glenn larson was very good at you know yes. he did battlestar galactica with the cylons obviously they're the bad guys but you've got you know buck rogers with tweaky and the robots and things like that like yeah, he was very true. good at taking inanimate things and making you care about them and Kit was like the iconic one of the iconic cars of the '80s, right up there with the DeLorean. And I mean, it was it was mm-hmm. a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah. Kit was one of it's one of the top cars of all time in television and oh, film, yeah. for sure. Um, and one thing I love too uh, with uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, there's such a good genuine touch on that movie to use David Hasselhoff as the popular person for Star Lord because it's not a hindsight thing. Cause there's a lot of things people will do in hindsight for shows and stuff that reflect upon a different area of something that had a cult popularity that didn't peak till later, but people act like it happened. Then night writer, David Hasselhoff. Perfect. 
Um, cause right. you know, like there's like one of the things I've always complained about, um, I, and let me preface, I love stranger things. Enjoy that show. But that first season, the kid has a, the thing poster in his room. No kid had a, the thing poster. That movie <laughs> bombed. Like there's a lot of stuff that's like, okay, that's popular now from the eighties. Right. But back then I don't think a kid was having in Indiana, Small town Indiana, right. had in Indiana the of all places, right? Yeah, throw so that, throw a Bob Knight poster up there or something. Like, let's make it relevant here. So. Right, right. <laughs> like that wouldn't have been the poster movie poster he had in his room in like '83. I'm like, I don't, I don't think the stores would have sold you that. They're like, ah, get that shit out of here. Right, um, you're 100 right. <laughs> but yeah, the Hasselhoff touch in Volume Two of Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm like, that's that's a good that really helps an authenticity come with the star lord character that i liked a lot but 100 percent uh yeah so that's that's kind of the background of the show i also you were mentioning too like the, some of the enjoyment watching these the production value on this is really impressive or maybe they're just picking good directors or something because this show feels big and i'm not I, and like for tv of this time watching that we did like quantum leap quantum leap never felt this large like this has some really big I, maybe it's the lenses they're using or something but the coverage here in like chases action it just it feels like it would project on a big screen pretty well for a tv show from the 80s yeah oh 100 yeah the action is very solid um i think like you said that can probably be attributed to just having a great team working towards it and again mm-hmm. going back to the general badassery of the car like kit is beautiful and just seeing him you know kind of drive around and and move corners whether hasselhoff is behind the wheel or his stunt double i guess so um but it's you know but it's it's also very fun too like if you want to like dive in and 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 nitpick it's very fun to like there was a scene in in our opening um night of the phoenix where the car kit was driving itself up to um hasselhoff i think he was coming out of a coming out of of a phone booth or something and Uh and kit drove himself up right right, and if you look yeah and if you look real closely you can see the stunt driver who was dressed as the car seat yes (laughs) with his hands on the wheel i'm like oh that was such a genius thing it looks so chintzy now but that's so smart because they 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 don't have a self-driving car 40 years ago they got to figure it out somehow so it was it was never meant to be seen with the clarity we have now either. This is broadcast right. on cathode ray TV, ray TVs, <laughs> made probably not cable. It's like 80, we're in 82 here and someone's like getting their antenna good. Like you're not going to notice that stuff. Now yeah. you do. Now you you're do. right. Yeah. We've got 1080p. They probably had mm-hmm. 12, 12p max, you know, like it was, yeah, yeah. Not, not great, but yeah. So it's, it's fun to see that stuff, but it's also really unique. It just blends into that unique value of the show. Like, they had to do something that had never been done at that time. Like how the heck are we going to do this? And they just figured it out. Like yeah. it is designed to be indestructible. I can't imagine how many kits they went through oh, gosh, every yeah. time the dang thing got a ding or a dent. They're like, well, that blows the whole premise of this undestructible car. So let's swap it out. <laughs> so Pontiac must've supplied them with many trans ams throughout the course of the show. So Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Pray for bottle episodes. Like that's what they had to do with the budget there. The kit budget. Um, so anyways, let's get right into this. Um, today we're going to discuss the very first episode, Night with a K, of mm. the Phoenix, which you could be Night of the Phoenix itself or part one and part two. Um, That's right. Tony, hit us with the synopsis. All right. A 
detective believed to have been killed is given a new face and identity and is armed with an artificially intelligent supercar. All right, this is directed by Daniel Holler, a guy who got his start as an art director on Roger Corman horror movies like Little Shop of Horrors, Tower of London, Tombs of Lygia. Uh, written by Glenn Larson, who we uh, will... Back to Holler real quick. Uh, also directed stuff like Fall Guy, Buck Rogers, Battlestar Galactica, Charlie's Angels, Kojak. Got it down. Larson, we mentioned, created Battlestar, uh, created this. He did Bas- created Bla- Battlestar Galactica, did Magnum P.I., Fall Guy, Auto Man, Quincy, Buck Rogers, Manimal. Love all that stuff. Uh, uh, but stars, David Hasselhoff, Edward, Edward Mulhair, Phyllis Davis, Pamela Susan Shoup. Get to her later. Lance Legault, Michael D. Roberts, Sean Ora Angaman, Vince Edwards, and William Daniels as the voice of Kit with two T's. K I T T. The Edward Mulhair guy, he'll be our co star with Hasselhoff through this. He uh, has a career in TV. Uh, there's a show he was a regular on called The Ghost and Mrs. Muir. Tony, that's a favorite of yours, right? No? Oh, of course. 100%. <laughs> um, also, a guest star for both these, Phyllis Davis. She was she was in Magna P.I. Love Boat, but I love that she starred in an Andy Serkis movie, Guns. So have you seen any Andy Serkis movies? I have not. Oh, God. This guy's great. He, in the 80s and 90s, what he did was, like, he lived in Hawaii, I think, and he made... Um, action movies like ridiculous action movies lots of explosions with like penthouse pets and playboy playmates as the stars and then um people like random people would show up like eric estrada's in like two of them um but they their hard ticket to hawaii is probably the best one to get everything out of what you would get from the movies because i mean they're they're a good time they're Sounds classy as hell, and yeah, who would have thought that he'd go on to play Gollum? So yeah, there you <laughs> different, go. Yeah. <laughs> different Andy Circus. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. Andy Sedaris. Sorry, I said okay. Circus. I was like Andy Circus. Sider- okay, no, sorry. <laughs> Sedaris. Wow, folks, don't go look it up. Andy Circus Playmate. No, Andy Sedaris. Andy Sedaris. Um, yeah. Sorry. Wow. No, you're good. I'm glad we got the clarification. We're good. (laughs) Right, right. Um, And, of course, whenever you start Knight Rider, you get that badass theme. What a great, yes. What a great theme song. It just, it was like the perfect storm of, like, unique idea, the theme song, the car, the action, and the acting. It was like it all came together. Yeah, no one will ever forget that theme song. You can play it it in the club, and people will get down to it. Like, it is absolutely. If you play it in the car, you'll probably drive a little faster. It's Oh, 100%. 100%. So good. Um, Temple Anna Magoo and then Busta Rhymes used it as a, they sampled it for songs. And I'm sure many, many others have. But uh, those were two of the notable 90s ones that uh, used the, the music. But... Well, I remember in in high school thinking heavily about like my first cars and stuff. I was like, how can I trick the trick my cars out, but you know, not be too crazy because I was obviously a nerd and stuff. And like one of the things was like you could get your LED front the red light like yes. along the front. It's like Run that would be badass. Forth. Why wouldn't I want that? So, and what an interesting way for Glenn Larson, whether it was an intentional or mm-hmm. not. Like especially in Night of the Phoenix, when Kit turns on for the first time and you see the red, it's yeah. got that little noise, a little. It's like. It sounds and looks like a Cylon from Battlestar Galactica. Oh, like, yeah, that is true. It has to be intentional. It has that to be because it, it is very close. <laughs> yeah, 
I mean, it's a way to communicate that he's speaking. Right. Um, I'm calling Kit a he because it's William Daniels' voice, but of course, sure. Kit, Kit's probably just an it. I-T-T. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's an interesting juxtaposition because traditionally, like your vehicles are traditionally considered female and things like that. But Kit mm-hmm. was very, seemed to be gendered. It was a very, it was like, this is like a new age buddy cop type of show right. with, with Hasselhoff and Kit. But it's, you know, it's uh, the joke is that obviously one's uh, inanimate and the other one's Kit. So, you know, yes. you got that going for you. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Uh, so... <laughs> This episode opens up. The, the first act here is, is some spy espionage type stuff with Michael, um, yes. played by a different guy. Uh, and there's some double crossing going on and all. And, uh, um, but in the end, uh, Michael, who Michael thinks he's helping out in a situation in which he is, whoops, uh, double crossed himself. And he yes. gets shot, shot in the face. Oops. But he survives. But fortunately, yes. Fortunately, there's an out there, yes, which is super helpful for him. So <laughs> metal plate in the head from Nam. Metal plate in the head from, yeah, from <laughs> Vietnam. Uh, lucked out. He's in there, but his face is going to have to go. Um, they can't recreate it. So, like, a lot of this first, in terms of first episode or first half of the movie, is a lot of rehab and introduction to Michael and then Kit uh, after a bit, but um, there, there's like this old man named Wilton Knight with a K, um, who's like dying, and like they they fix Michael's face. He's unrecognizable to I guess anybody, and um, it's a whole lot of like he finds the car and woo, they go joyriding. It's a whole lot of setup, Tony. It is. It, it really like is background. It's, it's, it's so interesting too because like you already have again you have the premise that at the time was very unique like a talking intelligent car like you already have the hook to draw viewers in mm-hmm. but wait let's go ahead and shoot our main victim in the face and give him a whole new identity like just for the heck of it it was such i mean i understand why they did it because it sets up michael knight formerly michael long before his right. surgery and things like that it sets him up to be like this off the grid kind of do the, Hulk, guy the incredible Hulk type premise yeah, going town exactly. to town. Yeah, nobody knows who you but are. It, it was such a strange, such a strange thing to have so early. And like, it was okay because initially when Michael Long played uncredited by Larry Anderson, uh, but his voice was dubbed as Hasselhoff was the voice yeah. from the get go. So it had, uh, so uh, right away, they actually did really good on the dubbing. I really couldn't tell. Mm-hmm. I was initially, I was like, is that Hasselhoff? Is that this other guy? But then once they leave, so the, the action starts in a casino in Vegas, mm-hmm. and then they drive off the strip uh, out into the desert. When they get into the desert and Michael Long gets out of the car, his face is in shadow. So yeah. they've already at that point switched to Hasselhoff, yes. but they won't show him until he gets shot a few minutes later. Right. Because, you know, because they've already they're they're done with this other they're done with this Larry Anderson fella, I guess, totally uncredited, which was planned because he wasn't going to be speaking or anything. But right. uh, it was such a it was such an interesting way. It's like, how much crap can we throw at the viewer in the first 20, 30 minutes of this made for TV film? Like right. Larson wanted to go big on this special presentation and be like, these are all the reasons why you want this badass of a film to turn into a show because look at all mm-hmm. the crap we're doing. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's funny that they, yeah, the, the choice, I thought it was really odd, the choice to keep them in maybe 
maybe there was like a reshoot or something and they couldn't get the guy back. But like the Hasselhoff in the shadows thing is, well, you know what? They've saved money on not traveling and bringing that guy in for a shoot. But it's weird that they, they go with that or not just like maybe just like film him from the back and mysteriously but yeah they really want to show that guy's face and then go ah yeah we're just gonna stick this guy in the shadows like yes he was very intentionally like you could tell like you could still you could see the feathered hair and his jacket and everything but his face was straight like dark like they like very intentionally worked to get those shadows so you could see nothing about this man's face so uh, it was a it was it was a bold choice (laughs) choice it was but yeah um Yep, they uh, Wilton Knight guy. So they're they're at this place, and he explains to him like one man can make a difference. You are gonna be that man. <laughs> it's very Batman, even with the last name Knight, and you know, it's a very Batman like cape, like Crusader yeah. in the shadows type of vibe. Yeah, it's like Batman. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the Batman Beyond thing, but with knights. <laughs> um, and I, and Michael's like, I'd like to promise you, I could take the take on the world, but I can't. I still wake up in the middle of the night shaking. <laughs> and then and then he goes like the guy the Wilton Eck is like, My adventure has ended. Yours. Yours has just begun. And it's like this humorous scene of like, no, I get the last line. Legend they keep <laughs> they keep trying to one up each other with like yes. this Who the has the most trauma here, yes. The adventure has begun lines. <laughs> like this is like and it's like, oh, <laughs> then Michael had, oh, okay. Oh, no, he's going to do another one. Oh, and it, it's probably okay. not as exaggerated as I'm saying, but it was really funny to me how they kept like going with this one-upsmanship of like, okay, die, man, but I have to say the last line before I die. <laughs> uh, uh, but we have a company, we have to know, uh, Flag, which is yes. the Foundation for Law and Government. That's Devin Miles. This is going to be the... Um, Breaker, breaker, uh, guy for Michael, the guy who sets him upon his journeys and is some a human for him to interact with week to week rather than just Kit. Um, but yeah, Michael Long dead now, Michael Knight. Um, yeah, um, and he says the line to uh, when he gets Kit, he's like, I can't believe this, a car that talks back to me. It's like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's what we all felt back then. Yep, yep. Who knew? Who knew? So, and it was uh, it was interesting that they didn't make. I, I felt like they didn't make a huge deal out of this because Kit was, uh, if uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe from my rewatch, from my rewatch rather, it was solidified that Kit is Michael Long's original car. But while he was rehabbing hmm. the the Wilton and them, they are the ones that took the car. And because there, there's a quick, okay. it's a it's a very quick throwaway line. When Michael sees it, he's like, I'm taking my car and getting out of here. And and then Wilton's like, well, we've done some things and you, we, you know, uh, you're, okay. that's now the most I'm... advanced car in the world. And he just hops in like, yeah, he just accepts it. He's like, oh, okay, okay. well, you tricked out my car, I guess. This is, you know, thanks for pimping my ride. But yeah, so it, I, I don't understand why they didn't make a bigger deal out of that because Kit was – uh, as far as I can understand, was his car yeah. just with a personality put into it? Which, if someone threw a personality into my car, I'd be I'd be very interested in in several things about it, not just the personality aspect of it. So, <laughs> no, no, fair enough. Yeah, yeah that 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 would make more of the attachment thing and why Michael. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But they, weird. They, they threw it away. Yeah, they right. didn't highlight it hardly at all. Yeah, because you feel like, well, this is like I. 
I bought you, I drove you off the lot. Like there should be, I would feel like there'd be a lot more of that. Like you were my, you were my property and now you're my friend. So this is, feels weird. Like maybe they didn't want to go down that psychological road. I don't know. They choose to focus on Wilton Knight, who we just met and making them have like a a thing that. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I I was like, um, this episode had like big songs in it. Uh, it was an amazing soundtrack. Like clearly, they spent a lot of money on the soundtrack. It, yeah, was, a, it they, was a great, a great vibe for the show. For the again, Larson obviously went big on this one. Was like, listen, I was surprised. Like, this oh, is going serious. So. Yeah, taking it easy. Uh, don't stop thinking about tomorrow. Fleetwood Mac. I was just like, what? and they're yeah. the actual songs. They're not like Muzak or. No, yeah, some... hit me with your best shot yeah, was on me, there. Yeah, I think yeah. a, there, were, there was a James Taylor's a JT song in there. I mean, yeah, yeah they went, they went big, big. on it. Yeah, so. that's big, and I, I guess it's different back in the day. Um, musical rights and stuff were easier to sell on TV because there was no like post home, vi- there was no home video sales that needed to count for just syndication. Sure. But yeah, just it's it's just stunning to hear so many. One would be like okay, but like it's loaded. Um, so um, yeah, we kind of mess around with Michael. He gets um, pulled over, and uh, he has to act like he's deaf. A little bit of a comedic bit going on. He's um, like, uh, yeah, it was it was relatively light, which is good because that, especially for the time and age, mm-hmm. it could have went in a whole different, really sad direction. And they right. fortunately did not go that deep with it. Thank goodness. So no, thank goodness, thank goodness. Um, that was fine. Uh, He's like, why do I get the feeling this isn't going to be the last time I run into trouble this town? <laughs> he also ref- tells Kit that he's about as much fun as a divorce. So I think what the the idea here is Michael's going to a small town to investigate a company where these bad people that did did wrong to him are based out of. I believe that's the kind of the mission here. Uh, and... Uh, before episode ends, he befriends a server um, played by Pamela Susan Shoop, um, yep. who the only thing I know her from other than this is Halloween 2. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Where she shows what talent she has, and she has one of my favorite deaths in any of the Halloween movies. It's when uh, she's in the hospital uh jacuzzi bath thing and michael turns it up really hot and scalds her she dr- he drowns her and scalds her face and the makeup work on that is incredible of course yeah but she was also a night writer so yeah and interestingly she was uh in the in the credits not both in the both in the early credits and the the rolling credits at the end i believe she is on she was also uncredited not like intentionally should they just oh, okay. didn't think her part was big enough and that very clearly establishes like the precedent for like the, you know, attractive lady of the week type of vibe mm-hmm. that Michael's going to meet him and love him and leave him type of thing. And, uh, you know, it was clear she wasn't going to be made a permanent piece of the ongoing series. Right. Uh, Single mom, not going to cut it. Again, very for the time, it seemed like a very different, like, oh, single mom, dad is gone. Dad died, of course, but dad's gone. The mom's right. there with the kid. Michael meets the kid. They're having a good time. Like, these are, again, things 40 years later, very commonplace, obviously. Mm-hmm. But back in the 80s, it's like, single mom? She lets him meet the child right away? Like, right. if I had pearls, I need to clutch them. I don't understand what's happening here. So, <laughs> yeah. 
it's uh yeah very interesting uh yeah his, his first his first uh his first lady of the week yeah as a single mom um but he uh they, they befriend so well like you said that he takes her to a a race where uh the tanya woman the blonde woman who shot him in the face is working mm. and he's way he's uh like wavering uh kit as a offer before these people if he can race, show them how good he is. Uh, but the race gives us some chance to watch kit uh, stuff, like slick driving uh, going on, a smoke screen, a lot of stunts. Like, that's, I mean, granted, this is a super pilot. Like, they will put money into big things like like Lost. That's a big pilot. Money gets thrown into, uh, thrown into it. That won't be every week, but to kick it off. They will put money into these things. So sure, yeah. Th- this is this stunt scene or this race is where it's at. Um, it was really cool to watch. Like it, it just felt very in line with the production value. It was a great mm-hmm. way for them. It didn't feel like sometimes when you're trying to like highlight the uniqueness of your show or whatever, it feels very shoehorned in when you're yes. trying to do that. And this felt relatively organic uh, in terms of the plot and 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 moving the story along. Again, I was engaged. You know, in my rewatch, I was just as right. engaged as I felt like I was back in the 80s. Like nothing had like fell out for me in terms of like, God, this is boring. Why did they, you know, this is this is so old and dated. It felt very uh, in, in still very intriguing and, and relevant. So, yeah, I, mm-hmm. I dug it for sure. It almost feels a lot too. where like some of the more like independent action movies were in the 70s, even like this feels like it could have been a crappy like not i'm saying i'm not calling this crappy but like a crappy 70s um action movie like it's it's got that good of production values for a television show of its time um sure. even, it's better than probably those as well um but i mean it's got good lighting it's got good coverage good editing uh the geography is great um you really know where everything's at at the time um but michael he does win the race and uh, yes. they find out he doesn't exist. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> right. I mean, uh, everything, not only just the credit cards in his wallet, like they eventually come up with a relatively thin where they're like, we fingerprinted him, whatever. And his, even his fingerprints were altered, which right. good for good for Wilton and his squad for going all in on a guy they who had a it up. Up they, face. Yeah. Like, let's burn off his fingerprints and give him new ones. What the hell? So. <laughs> He's in a coma. No matter. Yeah, he won't feel a thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, then we have an aside, which is probably filler for time and to show off some kit stuff. These guys kind of try to steal kit while Michael's in a phone booth. Uh, it doesn't go too well for them because we get an ejector seat that comes complete with a slide whistle sound effect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So with that, I was actually reading uh, a little bit of the behind the scenes stuff. And it does say that the running gag about the two thieves trying to steal kit was added last minute because when they mm-hmm. did the pilot, they ended up, it ended up what they had a first shot was apparently seven minutes too short for what the network wanted. And they're like, Oh, oh. we gotta go. So they did fill it with this running gag of That's like, what I figured you okay. guys are like, Oh, we can steal it here in broad daylight. Oh, not right now. Let's wait till later. And then they see <laughs> it later also in broad daylight. And they're like, now is the time. So let's go ahead and do it now. So <laughs> Gotcha. Yeah, I, that's why I, I kind of felt like eh, it could have been. That's that's filler stuff, right? But. And then of course, when they are, like you said, it's a very cool way to feature the ejection seat, mm-hmm. including including the retractable t tops there. But when they are ejected conveniently right onto the uh, police car that's right in front of them, like the police officers look at them and they're like, 
well, clearly you did something bad. We're just going to arrest you. We're not even going to question this automated car that spit you out. Yes, you know, be on your way. So it's all good. So cool car, my man. Cool car. Rock and roll. Rock and roll. <laughs> but um, so Michael goes to this, doing his research, goes to a, a or he goes back to where Pamela Susan Shoop works, this bar or whatever, uh, and he kicks the shit out of some hillbillies. Uh, put to the sounds right. of hit me with your best shot. But Michael yes. goes kung fu. Hey, surprise. Now, of all the good quality, like, shot, and uh, like we were just praising them for, like, mm-hmm. excellent editing and stunts and things like that. Yeah, this is the where they really phoned it in. He's like, careful, yep. guys. I know kung fu. And then you shoot. To, then the next scene is, like, out the front door where guys are being tossed haphazardly. Like, you don't see any kung fu. I want to see David Hasselhoff kung yes, fu please. in those yes. jeans. Yes. I need to see those tight jeans be able to lift a high kick up. That's, That's right. Feathered hair flowing. And oh, yeah. All, yeah, all, absolutely. <laughs> Kung Fu master. Uh, so he goes to jail. Uh, and there's a prisoner played by Charles Napier. He was not credited, I don't Amazing. think. I'm like, I don't think so. At this time, he is known. <laughs> he's not like schlub Charles Napier. Like, Greg, we're a couple years before First Blood or First Blood Part 2, but. He was known before that. Like, it was just kind of funny. Like, oh, random guy in jail played by Charles Napier. All right. <laughs> they needed a thug who could actually speak lines because they have a pretty they have a pretty good back and forth between him yep. and Hasselhoff there in the in the clink. So, yeah, maybe maybe he owed Larson a favor. I don't know. So yeah. Well, he does say to him at one time, like, it, it's really weird. Michael says, like, he's Michael's kind of ticked off and he goes, sit and spin. And I'm like... <laughs> I wonder if they're inferring to him flipping him off, but they don't want to show it on TV because normally there's people who go sit and spin. And I'm like, I'm wondering if that's what it's supposed to be referencing without showing it. Could you be. Can, you can flip off anybody now, but uh, back here in 82, that probably would have been like, you can't have that on your show. Sure. Um, we're at, I don't, I think this ran at probably, well, this would have been a nine o'clock show. You think? I imagine it probably, or 10, it probably nine or ten. Yeah, probably a, a, a later special presentation later yeah. in the evening. Yeah, it's a little much for a, for an eight o'clock, um, but but yeah, probably nine or ten. Um, and then the, the back at the the evil headquarters, what was it called? Test front test Comtron. Comtron. They're like, Comtron. We, we need to find out what's in that car. So they're like <laughs> having guys work all over it and. Um, they want to grill Michael about it, but Kit escapes on his own. He like, of course he up. does. He's Kit. He's wonderful. So yeah, they talked about how they're like, oh, like we've gone through three diamond bit drills and we can't penetrate the surface. And again, it's a lot of this all, you know, all talk, not showing because mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's impossible to show a trans am surviving that stuff. But then, yeah, Kit's like, okay, well, I'm indestructible. So when no one's looking, he literally just busts out the front door because he knows he's not going to get a scratch on him. So yeah, right. just right out the front door and he's off. Off on his business, so um, yeah. And then there's there's a funny line that it's kind of a very self aware uh, line I liked when uh, he's with Charles Napier in the prison because Charles Napier is one of the guys that works for this Comtron company, and he's like, "You ever wonder why a nice, polite electronics company needs strong arm boys?" Like I was like, "That's pretty good." Um, yeah. But uh, the bad the bad guys decides that they can't take kit they're like well we need to go get michael out of jail but kit gets there first he crashes through the wall doesn't damage the car at all um and then michael does some stealth sleuthing going into tanya's place but he winds up getting like shot and like seriously hurt during that mission um but they yeah it was a yeah a very interesting vibe like yeah like clearly 
and uh you know yeah so shot in in the shoulder like yeah. like yeah it seems like a fairly serious injury and mm-hmm. in, in later scenes as he's progressing sometimes it bothers him he's got his 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 arm with the with the red blood right. over it and sometimes it clearly he's like whatever he's just running like normal and it's not a big deal so yeah it's one of those comes and goes one of those vague things sure until right but it's relevant to the plot because then mm-hmm. it's like oh michael you're fading fast i don't know if you can drive should i drive and he, you know michael at this point is still like hell no i drive i drive myself i'm red blood american no car <laughs> gonna drive me around so so yeah it's it's a thinly veiled excuse to have michael continue to slowly pass out and try to rely on kit more which i understand you have to progress that relationship somehow i guess so mm-hmm. uh so he he like there's like all the bad guys are going to get on this plane and he needs to get to the airport and he's like, if I'm going out, I'm going to take them with me. Because it's like, uh, dude, you're going to die. We need to go to the hospital. And he's like, nope. Uh, so there's all sorts of stuff. We get a cool, th- there's a semi that tries to block them and Kit smashes through it. Uh, and he he evades like helicopter attacks during this. It gets nuts. Like they're here, get, no budget. Just do what you want. Helicopters. It was amazing. Semi, right. like, and, and I mean, they're, they're really, really trying to hammer home how indestructible kit is yeah like so when a semi just blocks the road and the semi driver's like yeah you ain't going anywhere boy he literally just plows through it the the comtrom semi that's apparently carrying boxes full of sawdust who knew but uh, you know he plows right through them yeah and then the helicopter shows up they're shooting a machine gun out of the helicopter or yeah. a rifle maybe and it shoots and it pings off kit right back to the helicopter oh, yeah. and, and downs the helicopter so so yeah they really went all in with hammering you over the head on how indestructible kid is not only then that then he gets to the airport goes on the runway plays chicken with mm-hmm. the plane that's about to take off slides underneath it and slices one of its wings off i'm like right you are you are all in on showing us how badass kid like we get it kit is an ultimate badass mission accomplished for sure like if you wanted a hook to have people come back and watch mm-hmm. future episodes You've done it, like mission accomplished. And, well and, done, and in, in cool ways. It's not just like, oh, yeah. we put an oil slick on the road. Oh, right. we shot fire. Oh, he's got a gun. Like it's cool. Like it's cool tactical stuff and smart driving mm-hmm. that really is, uh, really helping it to like stand out. Um, I'm sure we'll get some mail then efforts, but uh, you know, 22 episodes every season. That's it's a lot. Um, but I there there was a good line during this aircraft battle that I just good cheesiness uh someone's like let's get that aircraft rolling and i think it was phyllis she goes not till i finish night <laughs> right not till i finish night not till and, then, finish. and then the very next line is like no let's go and she's like okay uh, okay let's go but yeah like <laughs> but they, she said what she wanted to say it catches fire she goes she goes up to the driver's window and it's like i'm gonna shoot michael knight and it goes <laughs> and then like ricochets back <laughs> and kills her I'm like you dumbass and like she tries to like so earlier in the office he was very like ready to kill her you know he had he he got her gun he had it trained on her he was like uh, some some line about how like this isn't the nevada desert and that right. triggers her to be like michael long gasp you know you're uh, alive yep. i mean it was very chintzy but but yeah somehow between now then and now he's decided to like try to help her because right. yeah he goes to the, she goes to the window that he knows is indestructible so like he's like again trying not to pass out because of his shoulder wound he goes, Tanya, no. And then she shoots and it ricochets right, right back to herself. But before that, again, uh, another great, amazing action piece with the no budget thing where the plane explodes and the bad guys are running away from the plane, including Tanya. Yes. The plane goes up in flames and they all fall to the ground. I'm like, that 
that was badass and yes. was not cheap. I, I can't, it can't have been cheap yeah. to have that massive explosion. So yeah, very, very cool vibe all throughout this episode. I was, I was sold again on a rewatch. I was obviously sold as a kid. Yeah. It's all good. So, <laughs> yeah, I just realized both Tanya's shots at Michael Knight ricocheted. That's right. They didn't hit him. (laughs) Neither Uh, hit their mark or neither accomplished the mission. So, (laughs) Uh, the the closing sequence is Michael and Devon on a plane uh, with basically Devon giving Michael the mission statement of the series for him out. They cheers and we head to the credits uh, for the Night Night Rider movie premiere, two part syndicated uh, launch of the series. Which, yeah, we'll call yeah, we'll call yeah. it the movie premiere. I mean, they they didn't start the official like the actual credits with like the over narration and things like right. that until the next until the second episode. Mm-hmm. This was so this one, yeah, this one's I, I would consider it a self contained movie. So. Oh yeah, yeah, and I I have to say, like you said, like you, I was very surprised at how entertaining and enjoyable this was going back. Like I I, I was expecting to like be like oh, but I, I thought it would be more. I don't know. Like it paced well. Like for some reason, yeah. this show yep. paced really well uh, in a bloated, you know, movie form episode that it worked. Yeah, and I just yeah. Sometimes going back in those classic episodes, I I, I don't want to disparage our, our our former discussions on Quantum Leap, but that was yeah. one of those where I go back and I'm like, oh boy, I'm like some of this is really dragging. Like yep. this is very dialogue heavy. Like I see well, it's why, a drama you know. show too. So it's sure. not going to cr- right. cr- crutch on like, I can't crutch on action sequences like a night You're rider right. can, but, but yeah, but no, yeah. There, there's, there's some drag to it. Um, you know, you don't, and it, it not every episode is going to have the action budget. This did, um, because, sure. you know, I think also, you know, a lot of times, sometimes we have to like talk about where, you know, movies and stuff were better. Be a lot of times you can argue older films were better blockbuster wise because they only had you know certain amounts of money. They could only do this much with action that they had to focus on writing better in between character scenes and building character and making those as interesting as the action sequences they were forming around. Which now right. you can do whatever you want, and you know. Whatever's whatever. I still enjoy movies nowadays, but I'm just saying in the <laughs> argument of people saying why they would like they like certain things better, that that's that's a that's one in their corner for that. Agreed. But yep. um okay, Tony, let's shift gears and look on toward the sunset before we hit the horizon. Where can people find you? Yeah, so you can come hang out with me online. I do most of my uh, freelance writing these days on sciencefiction.com, where I am the senior editor. So you can come read all the news and reviews over there. And you can find me on any of the social medias by simply searching the ever unique name Tony Schaub. Tony Schaub. Yeah, the Tony Schaub.com. Dot com. Um. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Brand4KUHD Written Worker with uh let me try that again. I am cool. on <laughs> Twitter and Instagram at Brand 4 kuhd written work on whysoblue.com, which it looks like. So in one of my Tim Burton episodes, it probably said hopefully future Brandon is reviewing the Sony Picture Classics 4K collection. It's being sent to me, so huzzah. Uh, nice. prophetic. It's a it's a two hundred nine dollar box set. I didn't know if they'd be sending it out or not. It's quite expensive, <laughs> but all mine. Very excited Very to cool. dig into that. So uh, that'll be up on White So Blue throughout the 
end of November and beginning of December, surely. Uh, the Tim, Bet- Rich- uh, Tim Burton retrospective continues Monday, and we'll be right back here again next Monday for another Night Rider adventure. But from yes. Old Space. Brandon and Tony, not so lone crusaders in a dangerous world. The world of Old Space Show. Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters Show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Olsman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at brandonpetershow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at brandonpetershow.com. The show is available on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found. 